0: Our speaker today is, uh, he has a specialty, and that's why we have him come. And today, um, our our first summer speaker that we have is Brother John Avanzini, everybody. Excited that he's here. He is the world's most noted authority on uh, debt-free living as well as biblical economics and um, he was preaching most of what Dave Ramsey says way before there was a damn Dave Ramsey. And uh, for those of you that don't know biblical economics, it means that he talks about what the Bible has to say about money. Now, a lot of times when a preacher starts talking about money, to quote Brother John, that's when people start to pucker up. (laughs) Now, no doubt there's been some abuses in the church when it comes to preachers talking about money. Okay? But we tell you every week that God wants to bless you so that you can in turn be a blessing to other people. And that's been the foundational message of this man for decades. And, uh, and it shows as he's an amazing example of how to let God's blessing flow through you instead of just to you. Okay? He feeds a whole Guatemalan orphanage every single day. Let me tell you that uh, Brother John is not here because we need money. We are doing fine. We're not going to start a campaign. We're not fundraising. I'm not buying a plane, everybody. He is not here because we need money. All right. In fact, I already received the offering for a, in a, for a specific reason. And is, that is because I want you to be able to hear what he says, not thinking that we're trying to manipulate anything out of you. Okay. Okay. And so that, that's why we did that. I want to remove all hurdles that we possibly can, okay? Now, the we bring him here because so much of our lives involve and even sometimes revolve around finances, yeah. okay? And we believe, we think that it is important that you understand what the Bible says about finances. And in fact, Jesus is very concerned. He understands the power and the potential trap of money. He, uh, he mentions money approximately 15% of his, in his preaching. 11 out of 39 parables mention money. He, he talks about it more than he talks about faith or prayer combined. And this is why Brother John has been here pretty much every year for the last 24 years, is he's willing to tackle the topic of money and doing it in a very biblical and balanced way. He's published 52 books. He's actually working on his 53rd book with his grandson, Jason, who's with us today. And uh, Brother John's been a pastor. He's He has led churches well. He's a father of the faith. Melissa and I uh, love and adore him greatly. And God has actually used him in such an amazing way in the life of this church. And I just appreciate so much the relationship that he has had with this church, my parents, and of course, Melissa and I as well. And so I would like to ask you to stand with me and would you please welcome to the platform, Dr. John Avanzini.
1: Praise God, Woo. glory, wow, wow. Thank you, sir, amen, amen. Thank you, remain standing with me a moment would you tell that person near to you that Brother John... Th- and I remember, I'm from Texas, and I'd like to have a little swing to it. Tell him Brother John thinks you look real nice. Give him a little nice. <laughs> nice. That's it. That's it. Real nice. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Jason, stand up a minute, please, sir. My grandson, Jason Avanzini, a preacher of the gospel. A preacher of the gospel. Well, I... Uh, Enjoy being here all through the years. And what a tremendous change when I walked in this building this morning. I was back here in the jungle part. I said, can we preach back here? <laughs> I'm telling you now, those, those young people have the drop. Usually in uh, the churches in times past, whenever the adults got through with the building, then it became a youth building. But you guys have put them on first front seat, front front row. I want to speak to you today on a subject of having a breakthrough, coming into a point of having a breakthrough. I start with Psalms 137, 1 through 4. This is at the beginning of the Babylonian captivity. And we read there, by the river of Babylon, we sat down, yea, we wept, when we remembered Zion, we hanged our harps upon the willows in the midst thereof. For there those that carried us away captive required of us a song. That they, and they that wasted us required of us mirth, saying, sing us one of the songs of the Lord. And uh, one of the songs of Zion. And then that fourth verse says, how shall we sing The Lord's song in a strange land and you know I think about some lands that are should be strange to the Christian the land of insufficiency or the land of barely enough and then so many years I lived in this land the land of not enough but you know God has a land he likes for us to live in it's found in Ephesians 3 and 20 it says, now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we can ask or think according to the power or that ability that works in us. You know, I, a key to breakthrough, as we start dealing with that, every serious believer at some point comes to a place where they must have a manifestation of the promises of God. It just... I mean, you can go so long that you're hearing about the blessing, the blessing, the blessing, but then there comes a time the blessing has to come. It's just, uh, it just, I I, I lived in a time of the church that you just lived waiting to get to heaven so there could be some blessings. But God has a tremendous different plan for us. To understand the Word of God, you must know that the Bible is a book of layered revelation. It's layered revelation. Isaiah 28 nine and 10 says who shall he teach knowledge and whom shall he make to understand doctrine them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast for precept must be upon precept precept upon precept line upon line line upon line here a little and there a little you have to understand also that there's a mathematical progression understanding the word of God there's a verse seldom used seldom used but it's in the book of Job the 11th chapter and uh, it's the fifth and sixth verse as he now is answering one of his critics he says but oh that God would speak and open his lips against thee and that he would show thee the secrets of wisdom that they are double to that which is Here's the thing I read from that. The secrets of wisdom is that these truths are double to that which is. Meaning that once you know one truth, you're qualified for two. And once you know two truths, you're qualified for four. And then with four, you're qualified for eight in the Word of God. And then sixteen, thirty-two, and the first thing you know, you look at it and say, no man could have written this book with everything that I still have to learn. I remember in denominational days that they'd talk about, oh, if God would just send us a few more new books so we could have some new messages. Then I got filled with the Holy Ghost and I found out that the half has never been told and the half gets bigger every time I learn something else. So as we look at this thought of breakthrough, uh, let, me, let me give you a definition of the word breakthrough. Now this comes through years with Dr. Morris Cirillo and myself hearing this again and again from him. He said a breakthrough is a sudden burst of advanced knowledge or information that takes you past a previous point of resistance. A breakthrough comes when you get a burst of information. You don't ooze into a breakthrough. It bursts forth before you. And so Along with this now, I'd like to move into another word that I want us to look at. That word is significant, significant. And the definition from Cambridge Dictionary for significant, it's something important, large, great, and then it it goes especially in leading to a different result. When you have a breakthrough, you come into a land with different results. It's not the same old, same old when something significant takes place uh, or it causes an important change in your life. Now, the Bible speaks of a breakthrough. Probably the poorest church in the Bible talked about would be that church at Macedonia. And as the Living Bible says in 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through verse 3. Now, I want to tell you what God in His grace has done for the church in Macedonia. Though they've been going through much trouble and hard times, they've mixed their wonderful joy with their deep poverty, and the result has been an overflow of giving to others. Now, we're talking about a church that was doing their giving out of the bottom of the barrel, and they got into some understanding that moved them into a joyous giving. And that joyous giving had to where all of a sudden they were giving out of the overflow in the barrel. Tremendous change took place here, but what changed? The third verse tells us, they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. And I can testify that they did it because they wanted to and not because of nagging on my part. See, as long as you, and and most of us have a system where we'll kind of level out in our giving. But you have to realize that at that level of your giving, it pretty well sets all the things around you in place. And there's very little change. So when that burst of giving comes, that supersedes regular giving, all of a sudden you're ready for breakthrough. This is exactly what happened in this church in Macedonia. You hear talk about if you give, it'll be increased. Luke 6:38, of course, and other verses like that. But here we have experimentally in the book that there's a poor church to the point that they had to beg Paul to take the money for the poor saints in Jerusalem. They were probably poorer than the ones in Jerusalem. But anyway, something changed. A breakthrough. A significant thing happened. They significantly had an offering that they brought forth And it started a cascade, a cascade of activity in their life that comes forth that they overflow now in their giving. Well, let's look at some cases in the Bible where this has taken place. We see here in Solomon's life, Solomon makes one significant offering. And there's some strategic things around Solomon that make this such a strategic offering. He is in a time of building the temple, a palace, and the wall around Jerusalem. He's in the tightest financial situation he's ever been in. The 29th chapter of 1 Chronicles shows him to, uh, his father had to come along and take a second offering because of the cost overruns. And he's still at this time 13 years from the end of the project, and we pick up, in 1 Kings 3, verse 3 and 4, it says, And Solomon loved the Lord and walked in the statues of David, his father. Only he sacrificed and, uh, and burnt incense in high places. And the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for it was a great high place. A thousand burnt offerings did Solomon offer up on the altar. This is a significant offering because there was only one sacrifice required only one required but he brings a thousand and in bringing that thousand one he met the qualification for the offering but then 999 seed he planted sowing for a harvest he's got all of this ahead of him but now this is a significant move this is a this is this is a breakthrough moment for him as he's at the uh, probably the highest point of expense that the man could know. He comes with this staggering offering. It's this burst that comes forth, and you're going to see how it affects his life. That first night in Gibeon, the uh, first Kings, the third chapter, and going on with the fifth verse now, it's from the common English, I take this Bible. The Lord appeared unto Solomon at Gibeon in a dream at night, and the literal says that night. God said, ask whatever you wish, and I'll give it to you. Can you imagine what a breakthrough that is? Now, as charismatics, most of you have had God speak to you. And usually when he speaks to you, he's got something for you to do. But here, this significant offering has brought God to the bedside of Solomon and says, what can I do for you? Significant. Boom. Everything changes in the man's life. Thirteen years later, he finally finishes the building. But listen to the offering 13 years later. 1 Kings 8, 63. And Solomon offered a sacrifice of peace offering, which he offered unto the Lord, two and 20,000 oxen, 120,000 sheep. So the king and all the children of Israel dedicated the house of the Lord. This was 13 years of this tremendous outlay of finances finances if you've been to Jerusalem the walls are tremendous and and if you see the the understand the 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 palace that he built and then the, the the temple that he put together oh it was magnificent but now this offering was so significant that he makes 13 years later that they had to expand the place where the offerings were laid and then just 24 years later Powerful increases taking place in his life. 1 Kings 10, 23. So King Solomon exceeded all the kings of the earth for riches and wisdom. One significant offering <laughs> broke things loose for him. He was at the point of cost overruns, all kinds of problems. A second offering having to be taken. Very embarrassing in the building program to have to come to a second or a third offering. But here he is at that point in his life. And he makes this significant offering. And with that significant offering, a breakthrough takes place. And Solomon doesn't come to the end of 13 years of building broke, but he comes with an offering that's unmatched outside of maybe the offering that Noah made himself that day Yet he sacrificed. Are you learning anything? You know, the widow with two mites gave a significant offering and immediately got Jesus's attention. Mark twelve forty one and 44, through 44. And Jesus sat over against the treasury and beheld how the people cast money into the treasury. And many that were rich cast in much. And there came a certain poor widow, and she threw in two mites. I'm going to stop here just a second. I have always had in my mind that in her lack of finances, that she was just... So needed money so bad that she finally just had to throw it in before she'd change her mind. And I've taught that all over the world. But you know what I think? I really think this woman, in a minute, you're gonna see that that word that most Bibles are translate as out of her poverty or out of her penure, it's the word won't. And it just simply means won't. Theologically, it's been changed to say. Out of her poverty, but you're going to see in a minute this woman didn't just uh, make an offering, but she wanted something. And and uh, think about it a little bit with me. We go a little further. She threw in two mites. I think she was excited. She's about to get some change in her life. She's taking a step. She's no longer just sitting there and watching life come at her. She's setting some new standards for her life. And it says. And there came a poor widow and threw in two mites with make a farthing. And he called his disciples and said unto them, verily. Now, you know, when the Lord says verily, there are a lot of translations on that, what it means. I think it means this will be hard to believe. <laughs> I think it's when he says verily. It says, And then sometimes he says verily, verily. <laughs> this is really going to be hard to believe. But here we're going to get a statement that if someone looks for a mistake in the Bible, there's one here. Jesus makes a mathematical error here. He says, uh, hath cast in more than all they would, uh, verily I say unto you, that this poor widow hath cast in more than all they would cast into the treasury. Now, there's why I say you've got a mistake. If you're just mathematical, the guys with the big checks gave more than the gal with the two mites. But the Lord doesn't look at how, how much you give, he looks at how you give it. He looks through, speaking old order now, he looks through the envelope into your heart and see what's going on in there. For all they did cast in of their abundance, but she of her want did cast in all that she had, even all her living. Think about this. Jesus not only in the temple not only to see what the rabbis are preaching. Now he goes to the temple. He's not just there to see the praise and worship, which must have been very powerful in that time. But he goes there and stops at the treasury and is watching how the finances go in to the offering plate. It's it's amazing that the, the interest that he takes with that. And I realize in our day and age with the teaching that we've had over the years and the poverty that's been taught and the strange fundraisings that's taken place in meetings uh some of them almost the offering runs longer than the uh message but there's come it's almost like it, it you start talking about it in church and people's minds shut down not because of any truth to the pro- taking of the offering because god doesn't have the information about finances in the bible to get money from you he has that in the bible to get money to you now the Bible never talks about giving that it doesn't talk about receiving more than given. Many times it talks about receiving and doesn't mention giving. But when giving's mentioned, receiving is always there with it. But anyway, as we look at this, uh, the, rich, the rich are casting in big money. Now, you know, in the world system, the big offering is very significant when it's seen. Someone says, I'm giving, uh, well, I was, uh, uh, Elon Musk, uh, $23 million the other day, something he was giving in some charitable situation. Whoa, boy. Uh, Significant to the world, but not significant to Elon Musk. Not significant. He has 230 some billion dollars. So what happens many times is we look at this and we'd say, boy, these guys are really giving. But see, you have to understand that at 44th verse said, they cast in of their abundance. That word abundance means their surplus. The shelves were all, stack, were all stocked. The bills were all paid. This was discretionary money. They, they just dropped it in. And it looked big to everyone there. But the Lord knows that when he looks at an offering, I know times when I've, we were in building programs or something. I'd open the envelopes. I was looking to see what was given. But you know, when Lord looks at your offering, he looks more at what you have left. What do you have left? Because it says so much about what you've given. Praise the Lord. Well, go a little bit further. And the widow's offering was significant. Very significant. The, uh, the 44th verse says, everything, even all her living. Now, that's giving. When you're down, that you've given everything, and in those times, a person that was poor lived from day to day, and the money for that day, she put it into that offering. And why did she do it? Of her want. She made a significant offering to change her circumstances. Are you following me? She didn't just go into a a time of just totally giving everything away every time. And then people said, well, God asked you to give everything. You know, I've had people say that. Well, John, you teach. Yeah, he could. Well, he's ever asked you to give everything. Well, you know, John, the second chapter in the last verse said he needed not that men should testify of a man because he knows what's in a man's heart. He doesn't have to ask you to give it all. He knows whether you'll give it all or not. You follow? But here she is. Here she is. She has given it all, and she wants something. I was in a church in the Los Angeles area, and uh, I was preaching this, and I said, well, what could a widow woman want? And a lady jumped up, a husband. <laughs> I said, what could, a poor, what could a poor widow want? A husband, and then another one jumped up, a rich husband. <laughs> so it was, it's that people without money have things they want. <laughs> and here's a way to break through into having it. She brought that significant offering. Now, there's a centurion, this is unique, because protocol was broken. Many times protocols will get in the way of things getting done. Um, You know that woman that came with her little child? Protocol, can't talk, no, this is not, I'm only coming to the Jews, only to the Jews. But then she says, well, look, yes, we're the dogs, but we could have a crumb. Yeah. And bang, she has a breakthrough. And the Lord God himself ministers right to her and heals that little child. Unique thing. You know, I've I, I got to watch it. Unique thing here. She says, help me. <laughs> she didn't say help my kid. Said help me. <laughs> and people would say, well, isn't that strange? No, no, I've seen some mothers that have had afflicted children, and they need help. I mean, they're, they're worn thin, 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 thin. She said, help me. Just like the guys that carried the fellas up on the roof. You know, they had one arm longer than the other, they have been toting him around so long. He said, and when he saw their faith, I mean, this guy said, hey, they easy, let's open up, fall down here. He said, but when they saw their faith, they said, we want this guy healed, we're tired of toting him around. But anyway, we find that that breakthrough comes of protocol because uh, in Luke 7, 2 through 6, and a certain centurion servant who was dear unto him was sick and ready to die. And when he heard of Jesus, he sent unto him the elders of the Jews, beseeching that he would come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they besought him instantly saying that he's worthy for whom he should do this He's made a significant offering for he loved our nation and hath built us a synagogue. Now protocol breaks. Then Jesus goes with them, gets almost to the house. Messenger comes out and said, don't need to come in the house. We know all you have to do is speak the word and he'll be healed. Significant that that centurion years before probably had built this synagogue. But now that significant gift had the breakthrough that kept that servant that was so special to him alive. Are we learning anything? You know, Hannah offered a significant offering that brought her out of infertility and brought forth a child. 1 Samuel 1, Elkahan takes his family to worship and make an offering to God in Shiloh. The 9th through the 11th verse Hannah makes a very significant faith promise offering. So Hannah rose after they had eaten in Shiloh and after they had drunk, now Eli Eli the priest sat upon a seat by the post of the temple of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul, very upset, and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. And she vowed a vow. Now sometimes a significant offering doesn't start with a handful of money. It starts with a heart's desire to give the money and that a faith promise is made. And when a faith promise is made, when, it, when, when it's made in sincerity, God receives it as if it, had, as if it was done right then. Because now, uh, and she vowed a vow, said, O Lord of hosts, I will indeed look on the, if you will look on the affliction of thine handmaid, And remember me, and not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto thine handmaid a man-child. Then I'll give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. Now Hannah conceives. Just almost immediately after this promise was made, the 19th verse says, And they rose up in the morning early, and worshipped before the Lord, and returned and came to their house in Ramah. And Elkahan knew Hannah his wife, and the Lord remembered her. Wherefore it came to pass when the time was come, uh, a, about when the time was come, about after Hannah had conceived, I think that's what that said, and she bare a son and called his name Samuel, saying, because I have asked him of the Lord. So Hannah conceives, the child is born, the twenty-fourth verse, and when she had weaned him, she took him up with her, and three bullocks. And one ephah of flour and a bottle of wine and brought him unto the house of the Lord in Shiloh and the child was young. Is that all after giving up one, one year with the child after all those years of the aching of a breast for a child that now she just, no, no, God doesn't do that. When you come significantly, he returns significantly into your life because 1 Samuel 22 1 Samuel two and 21. No, God blessed Hannah with five more children yeah. and the Lord visited Hannah so that she conceived and bare three sons and two daughters and the child Samuel grew before the Lord. Yeah. Hannah's significant offering opened her womb and listen to this. It brought her the desires of her heart. God, you know, you get saved; it doesn't mean that you don't have desires in your heart any longer, and many times financial pressures are there that keep us from having that desire of our heart. And 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 and, and I just say quickly, it's more difficult today to do things with a family. We've talked about that. Everywhere you go, you don't tell, no telling who's in the room next to you at the hotel. I mean, it takes some planning and it takes a little bit of money to try to have a proper kind of getaway with your family, that you're not cast in and they're seeing a bunch of things that you just assumed they didn't have to see till they were older. Are you you grasping? She can see. Now, here's the one I like best. God made a significant offering. God made a significant offering. He wanted something. 4,000 years of trying to work it out on, uh, on our cooperation with him, it didn't work. So he now says, I want something. I want humanity. I want human beings, and I want them with me throughout eternity. And what does he do? John three fourteen through 16, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the son of man be lifted up, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world, to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Watch with me now. God's gift of eternal life is not just a spiritual benefit. Thank God for the spiritual benefit. But 2 Peter 1, three and four, according as his divine power, hath given unto us all things, all things pertaining unto life and to godliness. Now, there was a time that two cars didn't pertain so much to life. As a young man, I mean, nobody had two cars. I'm 86 last May, uh, and uh, when I was a boy, you never saw anybody with two family with two cars. Brother stayed home, dad worked, but today, it's almost half to have two cars to operate in the society. Well, God says, I'm gonna give you everything that pertains to life. In a time when it takes one car, They'll have one car, my children will. In a time that you need two, there'll be two. And if they're not, make a significant move and manifest that car in your life through this power that we have in financial blessings. Now, uh, how did, I, did, I, did I, all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him that called us to glory in virtue. Let me pull away a minute, draw a thought together. If your offering is insignificant to you, if an offering is insignificant to you, it will be insignificant to God. Because God has no way of measuring value. He owns everything. To to establish value, you have to have something you want. God wants for nothing. So he doesn't look at how he feels about your offering. He looks at how you feel about it. When you're offering significant, it'll be significant to God. And I close with this. This is a message that's just as well that the offering's been taken. It's, It's not a message to act on now, today. You need to think this thing through. Take it home. Talk about it. Prayerfully consider. Lord, we need to make a significant offering. We need to do this thing. And then hear the Lord. He'll speak to you about it. He'll he'll move in your heart about it. And then let the Lord hear your heart's desires. Everything changes with the significant offering. Here's what I'm suggesting is periodically, periodically, interrupt your regular giving with a burst of giving to God. A burst of giving to God. Let me say this to you. If you'll do it once, you'll do it again and again and again because it will explode potential in your life. Thank you so much for the, and I mean this with all my heart, the love and respect you show me here. God bless you. Thank you, Pastor.